Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Oh, hey, what's up? This is Robert J. O'Neill, former Navy SEAL, former SEAL Team 6 operator. Uh, I have decided to start my own podcast. This is it. It's called The Operator. Um, because I've been on other podcasts, I've been on other interviews, I've done some fun stuff, interviews with uh, some big names, podcasts. Um, Howard Stern was awesome, Ed Milet, guys like that. Uh, you, you may have heard about me in from my first book, The Operator, named same as a podcast. And, th- and the reason, too, I want to get this, this off, off the top is I'm not, I've never called myself The Operator. It's uh, just about the life of the operator. Everyone's an operator. Whatever you do, if you're a first responder, a paramedic, uh, anyone in the military, a ranger, infantry guy, Air Force dude, crew chief, pilots, um, operators, people that get up in the morning and provide for their families are operators. Moms that take care of their kids, those are operators. It's the life of the operator. I'm a dude from Butte, Montana, who never planned on joining the military. I ended up in a different service. I tried to join the Marine Corps. But I ended up in the Navy because I was in a hurry, and the Marine recruiter was not in the office, but the Navy guy was. I went in there to ask him where the Marine was. He asked me why I wanted to be a Marine. I said I want to be a sniper because I grew up hunting, and Marines have the best snipers in the world. He was quick to tell me that Navy has snipers too. You just need to become a Navy SEAL first. I didn't know what that was, but I was in a hurry to. And don't always be in a hurry to do something. It's like when you're making a decision, give it 24 hours. And I'm talking about a text. When you're pissed at someone or an email, give it 24 hours and think about it. If it still bothers you in 24 hours, it might be worth it. But most of the shit you worry about doesn't happen anyway. I joined the Navy because I was in a hurry. So the the podcast is called The Operator. The book is called The Operator. You may know me from uh, my second book I wrote with Dakota Meyer, Medal of Honor recipient, called The Way Forward. And that's more about what do we do next? What's on the horizon for us next? Because, you know, he was a Marine. He was a Marine that uh, was a male cheerleader in high school, ended up a Marine, ended up in Gangegal Valley, was awarded the Medal of Honor because he's a bad motherfucker. Um, You know. Big fights, stuff like that. You, 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 you. Um, every anywhere you are, anywhere you are, just be there, and stuff will happen. So we wrote that book about what do we do next. He was in the Marine Corps. I was a Navy SEAL. But now what? Because you do move on. The clock keeps ticking. That's one thing we all have in common. Is we the only thing we have in common is you don't stop the clock. It keeps ticking. And I'll have people actually say to me, um, so uh, former Navy SEAL. Oh, I'm sorry. Once a SEAL, always a SEAL. And I say no, that's not true. I was a SEAL but I'm not anymore. I, I mean, I was in high school, 
but I'm not a high school student. I'm a former high school student. I went to college a little bit, but I'm not a, you know, I'm, I, it's, it's over. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a dude that knows how to work with a team because I was fortunate to put myself out there, work with great people and take advantage of the situation. So we wrote a book called The Way Forward. You may know me from that. Also, you might follow me on social media, on Twitter, which is a blast because everything on Twitter is 100% true and nobody's rude. Or on Instagram. And I have, this is actually a funny story. I have uh, on there, people have asked me why it's MC Huya, like am I a DJ, but that's not MC Huya, it's Mick Huya. And I made that because I was still in the Navy, I think, or just had gotten out, and I had a friend named Jeff who told me there's this thing that's been going around called Twitter, and it's a blast, because you can say whatever you want, and uh, no one will ever know who you are as long as you make up a fake name. So I was thinking, as um, Irish descent, County Cork in Ireland, we got to do something about that, too. I just I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm reading up on history of Ireland and the Irish and all that stuff. Uh, Irish descent, and we say hoo in buds. I decided to come up with the name Mikuya. So I actually made an email address, Mikuya, and I became at Mikuya. And one day, my name leaked as Killing Bin Laden, and I woke up with like 15,000 followers. And I'm like, great, now I'm Mikuya. So that's how that came about. So you may know me from there, but what I want to do is, is I wanted to start a podcast in order to have a platform and tell you exactly what I'm feeling. Cause I don't know how many, how many, how many, uh, and my wife, Jessica's here. She's going to be my little producer. She's, you can hear her giggling back there or you can't hear her rolling her eyes, but she is, uh, she's going to help me out with some stats and whatnot. I don't know how many, um, characters are on Twitter, but you can't really get the word out. And I have a tendency to have tongue in cheek and, and I'm once in a while I'll make fun of people or fuck with them. And, and sometimes it comes off the wrong way and people get all pissy either side of the aisle. It's nice to have a platform where I can, I can say what I meant and, um, and apologize <laughs> when appropriate. But, uh, yeah, we kind of want to do this. Speaking of Buds, too, I, I was going through my stuff to see what I could find. Look at this from Buds. This is a, in, in Buds SEAL training, this actually still fits my head. I just took it out of, of the bubble wrap. This is my third phase helmet. In Buds, you wear a green helmet in first phase and then a blue helmet in second phase, and then you paint it red for third phase. So this actually still fits. I found it downstairs. We... Going through our stuff. I'm gonna put it over here. So that's my Bud's helmet. So we have a, a platform where we can talk about stuff. Um, and I want to just give you again the background. I started. I started in Butte, Montana. Joined the Navy. Didn't think I was gonna make it through, but I went anyway because I figured I will get a sh if I can pass the basic test to get to through ba two basic underwater demolition seal training. I can get a trip to san diego live on the beaches in coronado try the hardest training in the world it's going to be really neat being from montana seeing california uh, probably won't make it but i i would like to see new things being in the navy you can get on a ship maybe and see the world I, one of my things i say about the navy that recruiters don't tell you when you're a young man or woman is join the navy and you can see the world from about 12 miles away because they don't always pull in so did that i went to i left butte montana for great lakes illinois in january of 1996 i mentioned i didn't know how to swim i joined in july but i swam at montana tech where i still had a student id from going to montana tech and i could use the pool uh so i, I was i was taught by a friend mike driscoll who swam for notre dame how to do the breaststroke and the side stroke and i had a friend named jim mcbride who just retired as a marine officer he enlisted as a marine Two years older than me, became an officer. He was an air crewman. He, he taught me how to swim some of the side stroke, uh, combat recovery stroke, whatnot. 
so I did get proficient. Went to Great Lakes, Illinois in January of 1996, which sucks. It's cold right on the lake, and it's freezing in Chicago that time of year. Navy boot camp is one of those things where at first you're making a decision. You, you realize you made a decision that nobody cares about you. You don't have any friends, and you're all by yourself. And I think that everyone, be it a Marine, Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, when you get to boot camp, and maybe some veterans will disagree with me, but I thought I just made the worst decision I'd ever possibly made in my life. Why am I here? What did I do? And I signed a contract for four years with a possible two-year extension. I did learn, though, that everybody feels that way. And coming from Butte, Montana, living kind of a bubble and a fear of success, I thought people from all around the world were going to be better than us. I thought someone from Phoenix or Los Angeles would be a better athlete than me or someone from South Florida would be tougher than me. But it turns out we're kind of all the same. And I, I learned that we were all scared. And if someone's told you they've never been afraid, I mean, there's that 1% that probably weren't afraid or they're sociopaths or they're lying. But most people that get into a, a new situation, a difficult situation are scared. If you're the, if you're the CEO of a major company, you're the guy that went into Bin Laden's bedroom as a SEAL Team 6 operator, you had your first day somewhere and you were scared, but you get used to it. It doesn't matter where you are. You usually get used to it. If you're at Shit-ass Great Lakes, Illinois in the winter in 96, or you're in a bee hut in the winter at Fob Shank in Afghanistan, or you're, in a, you're on a base in Ramadi, Iraq in 2005, and it's 120 degrees outside. It sucks at first. You get used to it. You're going to get used to it. Take a breath and calm down. So I got there, and I met guys that were scared. But I met dudes, again, from Florida that were surfers that just wanted to join the Navy because they knew how to swim. I met guys from South Central Los Angeles and Watts, that left the gangs. The only way out of town was to join the Navy. They were there. They were scared. I met tough guys from Long Island. I met dudes from Michigan. A lot of guys from Iowa and Ohio. And it turned out a lot of a lot of SEALs come from Ohio. And the guys from Iowa are really good wrestlers. That's what they had in common. And those are some of the stereotypes. But I got to boot camp. And once you kind of get used to it and people are there to sort of show you around. And as long as you can be humble with screwing up and admitting you screwed up. But you don't need to argue with stuff. And anytime you screw, screw something up, just say, because I'm an idiot. Just deflate the argument, but don't be afraid to ask questions. Because you'll be in a room and someone will say, are there any questions? And other guys, no one will raise their hands. And they'll say, you know, because no one wants to be the asshole. No one wants to say that they don't understand. But I, I got used to when I didn't understand something, I would raise my hand and they would say, what don't you understand? And I would say, all of it. I don't understand any of what you just said to me. And if, if you don't understand, it's okay to ask. If they don't teach you, they won't teach you. But if they do, then you you get what you, you know what you were asking for. So Navy boot camp was fun. I learned uh, how to. <laughs> when, part of the first time that I realized that maybe because at first I'm like, what well, you know, nothing makes me special, especially like taking the test. When you when you take the test to get into SEAL training, I had I knew what it was. My recruiter told me what it was. I actually still have the notebook he gave me, the folder, and I had all my times because the test is, it was at the time anyway, and if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone on Twitter will tell me in very nice language that I was wrong. But when we got there, it was a 500-meter swim with no fin, side stroke or breaststroke, 12 minutes, 30 seconds, followed by a break to put your dungarees. We used to wear dungarees, which actually now are in style, kick-ass bell-bottoms and some boondockers. Put those on, and you have to do... 42 push-ups, and they're good push-ups, but it's only 42. If you're not ready to do 42 good push-ups, you shouldn't be in the military anyway. Followed by 50 sit-ups, good ones again. Followed by six dead hang pull-ups. And dead hang pull-ups after that is a little bit harder than you think, but they're just dead hang. But dead hang pull-ups are as easy as you make them be. People say, I'm not good at pull-ups. How do I get better at pull-ups? Well, that's simple. You do more pull-ups. 
Stop being an idiot. Then after that, you do a one and a half mile run again in your boondockers and your dungarees. I might have screwed that up. You change somewhere. You put on your dungarees. Mile and a half in, in 11.30, which you should do. Then you get orders. Before, but when I was sitting there, when we first went to the pool, we were on these bleachers. It was an indoor pool, thank God, because obviously it's January or February in Illinois. But these bleachers are the kind that you will see at a high school football game, the, the metal bleachers that we all know. We're sitting there, and there must have been 400 people trying out. And everybody here is going to be a Navy SEAL. When I joined Navy boot camp, it's amazing that everybody there is going to be a Navy SEAL. That's why they joined. They're all tough guys, all this nonsense. I'm looking down, still naive because I'm from Butte and everyone's got to be better than me, that what makes me so special? I remember looking down. I can see some SEAL instructors. There's a Navy SEAL flag. It's, it's, it's not the official Navy SEAL flag, but it is the one they use in the best movie ever made, Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen. Awesome movie. And I'm looking at that. I'm intimidated. And this Navy SEAL came out and he's wearing UDT shirts, which I learned later the technical Navy term. There's a lot of weird ways Navy says stuff, and I'm not going to try to get technical because they, they put stuff together. But the UDT shorts technically are called Catch Me Fuck Me's. So he got up on this high dive and he's looking at us. And this dude's got abs that have abs. He's, he, it might have been Ray Cash Care, as far as I know. He stood up there and he did a dive, a couple gainers or flips, whatever they called them, and entered the water perfectly. When he did that flip, that was something Greg Luganis would have been in awe of for a number of reasons because this guy was looking good. He got out, kind of stared at us, and left. And I'm thinking, you know, what? why am I special? We got in there. I was one of three people to pass the swim out of that 400. It was incredible. Nobody could swim. I did fail the push-ups, which is amazing. I still blame that on the, on the vaccinations they gave us the day before. I don't know if you know this, but the government is huge into giving us vaccinations, even though they don't work. So they're curing whatever syphilis or whatnot they think we all have or we do have. I don't know. And I just I was dry mouth. I couldn't, my arms couldn't move because they hit you with all these shots. But... Between that and watching everyone fail, and then when they tried to teach us to march, I realized, with all due respect, how dumb the average person is. You might be better than a lot of people. We can't walk. And, I, and I'm not saying the average. I'm me too. I'm dumb as shit. We couldn't walk. And it's, it's as simple as you see in some of those movies. Left, right, left, right. And we're in the Navy. We're not the, we don't sound that cool singing cadence like uh, the Marine Corps does or those songs the Army sings. Like We're Navy. And they just do some. I'm not even going to sing it because I'll embarrass myself. But we had people, we couldn't go left, right. It took us two weeks to learn how to go left, right, left, right. So it started to sink in. Like, we're all the same. We're all, this is like, like, we're the same. Maybe I am either just as good or just as bad as these people. But once you start to get into it, start, stop feeling homesick. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and realize that you can fit it. You can fit in. You can do anything anywhere. So I went back to that test with a positive attitude same thing, but this time I'm like, okay, I'm sure a lot of these guys fail. You only get three shots at this, by the way, too, in boot camp. You fail three times, you're done. This is my second shot. I felt really good. I was confident and cocky. No more, no, no more syphilis because they gave me all the shots, so I'm good. So we did the swim, and uh, I passed that. Got out. I think we instantly did the push-ups. I knocked those out. And, you know, don't just do 42. Get 50, get 50. Do as many as you can. Then do your sit-ups. Get more because the instructors are seeing that. You're, you're fighting for orders to get. This is how it used to be. I don't know if there's a new pipeline which might be smarter who knows I, all i know is really hard when i went through not like it is today so you i passed that passed it it's passed the um the pull-ups and then did the run past that and then they brought me in and i got my next set of orders or they were saying that you will get orders for seal training what i didn't know is 
I had also signed a contract to be a corpsman, which is a Navy medic, which came with the, the at the time, it was called the Dive Fairer Program. Uh, that means you get to be a SEAL, but you have to be a corpsman, which means you go to SEAL training. Buds in California, if you make it through, they send you to um, somewhere in North Carolina where you go through an Army medical training. I didn't want to do that. So I learned just by watching. You go up to this weird office, and there's it it's, looks like a, like the office. Cubicles, and you go there, and certain sailors have their rates, and they're telling you what it's like to go to their A school, which is going to be your rate, your job, and where you're going to go afterwards, what to expect. I was supposed to go see the corpsman, but I was with my friend Sean Tufts. He and I were in boot camp together. I met him. He's an interesting story. I'll tell you his story later. He was a, he was actually an Army drill instructor, a drill sergeant, sorry, and he left the Army to be a Navy SEAL. So he left the, the Army as a drill sergeant to become a Navy SEAL. And he was sitting there, and he uh, he said something to me up in this office. We were both in the dive fair program. I didn't know this because I'm thinking, military, they're smart, they're watching you. He said, as a drill sergeant, I'm going to tell you something right now. Instructors are lazy and they're stupid. <laughs> so if we don't want to be corpsmen, let's go. Let's find the easiest one to go through, get the quickest one, and then we'll go right to buds because we want to be seals. Right, right, cool. So we went over, uh, did some research on aircrew survival equipment men, and the Navy makes sense because aircrew survival equipment men's abbreviation is PR for parachute rigger, whatever. So we went there. We talked them into letting us have orders to Millington, Tennessee for PR, which means we're going to go to, we have orders to buds. We're going to go to Millington, Tennessee for a two week, a school. And then we're going to go to Coronado, which means we'll hit seal training at in April of 1996. So we start in January. We can be there by April, which is good timing because that means we'll probably go through uh, hell week in August and not January. There's a difference between a summer hell week and a winter hell week, which meant, um, there's, there are two different schools of thought, but we wanted to do that. We wanted to get to Buds, and I didn't want to be a corpsman. So we we did that. It was fine. We both passed our tests. We both got orders. We got on a bus, which is a funny story. We, I'll, I'll, again, I'll wait till I have him as a, as a guest, but we all got on a bus. Here's a bunch of 20 or 21-year-old kids who haven't had a drink of alcohol or a cigarette in lo- a long time, and they chartered us a Greyhound from Great Lakes, Illinois to Millington, turned into a complete shit show bunch of sailors we got down there and we're kind of introduced to the navy we got into some new barracks it wasn't boot camp but we had no experience we didn't know what to do we didn't know what to call an e6 i don't know that like, we had a guy that was a boss he was an ao which is uh, aviation ordinance man because i was in a pr rate the air dales or whatever the hell they call themselves were in charge and we had to call him ao1 for a for East, whatever. I'm learning that the hard way. I'm do. I am learning that you're still in the navy. You need to shave. I got my ass handed to me for not shaving. Now we're working with Marines. They just got done at in South Carolina, Paris Island, and these Marines were sharp. I remember thinking how cool and professional Marines were because we're there in our white uniforms with our with our funky little neckerchief and we got the 13 buttons which we call the military chastity belt but marines come rolling in they got they don't have their blood stripe yet but they got the blue pants a khaki shirt they don't have any ribbons obviously they well we all had the one ribbon the the medal of defense ribbon which the you know i joined the military bam here i got a ribbon and i think it was from desert storm when i was still in ninth grade but we get there and we have to march to our school with marines they were cool they they called cadence they marched they were cool and then our instructors were Marines. We had two Marines and one, one E6 female sailor. And me thinking that Marines are just the baddest dudes on the planet, which they're bad dudes, I had... these. Don't get me wrong. The two instructors I had, one was a gunny, one was a staff sergeant. 
And the staff sergeant, he he was probably about six four, six five, big dude, big black guy, and he weighed, I'm saying two fifty before breakfast. And I will never forget this big badass Marine E6 teaching me how to wind a bobbin and teaching me the cyclic rate of fire on some console 5500 sewing machine or whatever. And I thought it was kind of funny getting taught by this dude how to sew, but that's what we did. And I actually learned later on, if you, if you don't, that's one of those skills. If you don't know how to sew, learn how to sew. It's, you can put stuff on your gear. You can modify your stuff. We did that. Oh, this is before everybody got, got free stuff. We have to, had to make our own stuff. Finished there. And then Sean Tufts and I flew to Butte, Montana. We drove from there after a little bit of leave. He got to meet my family. We drove down in my truck from Butte to Coronado. And on the way there, I actually read Rogue Warrior for the first time. And that's one of those books, too, where people always say the, the, the silent professional. Um, this is the first time I read Rogue Warrior by Richard Marcinko. But I know guys now that have done some major missions in the war on terror in Afghanistan, Iraq, and other places like uh, Yemen. Richard Phillips that joined the Navy because of Rogue Warrior. So it's always good that you know your history and don't, you know, if someone gets their story out there, there's nothing wrong with it. We went to Bud's, started it off, and that was a unique experience. When we first pulled into Bud's, it was a Thursday night. We wanted to go check out the beach. So we drove to Coronado. We we ate at Island Pasta, and then we grabbed our fins and our masks, and we went out to the water. So the sun was going down. We want to swim in the ocean just to check it out. This is going to be our home for the next few months. And as we're out there, because we hadn't been to the compound, hadn't checked in on the base yet, we saw these rubber boats about, you know, 100 meters outside the surf zone. And they're rowing, and there are chem lights off the side. You can see these green chem lights. That, I was going to check into Bud's Class 208. What was out there that I was looking at was the remnants of Bud's Class 207. And they were on Thursday night of Hell Week. And that kind of hit me like, wow, this is real, and they're right there. And that, they're doing the thing called what's, what's called around the world. So they did around the world, which means you roll around Coronado Island, you cross uh, the highway heading down to IB, come back up, and the sun should be coming up on Friday. You get beat up at the, at the, at the, at the, the sand pits, the mud flats, and all that stuff, and then Hell Week is secured. But we, we went and checked into the first night we stayed there, we checked in on the Naval Amphibious Base side, and we happened to be with the X division X division are the guys that quit or the guys that got thrown out. And these are some negative people, negative attitudes. I, I don't know who no one ever admits they quit. They either beat up an instructor or the instructor just didn't like me. It's never, I quit. I met one quitter. I'll tell you about him later, but you're sitting there brand new sailor, still in dungarees. I haven't checked into budget. And I'm listening to this E five. That's a big pussy, but he quit. And he's the toughest man in the world. And he explains how, how, uh, how unfair it is. And they're going to cheat you. And like, they're filling your head full of negativity. And I'm sure guys quit just because of listening to these assholes. We didn't buy it. We had one night in extra vision, which sucked. And then we went over to the, the side of the base where we got to meet instructors, hang out there. And, um, then we're going to learn about buds. We, they brought us all into a classroom, 227 sailors, we're all in our whites, and I, again, I'm in a spot where I don't know what to expect. These guys are all tough. What makes me special? I'm just, I'm not going to do, uh, I'm just not going to quit. I know I'm not going to quit. I'll get thrown off for something or an instructor won't like me or whatever that dude said. And we sat in there. This instructor came in and I remember seeing him first instructor and he walked up and as a joke, he said, he's looking at all these sailors. He goes, anybody want to quit? And this dude is E5 goes, yeah, I do. And everyone's kind of like, and the instructor's like, what is like, Yep, I'm out. I'm quit. D.O.R. And they didn't have the bell set up yet, the one you ring three times. What turns out is, I guess the fleet life is so bad, he want, he put in orders for Buds for a year to get to Buds to get off the ship. And he's going right back to his ship, but he wanted like a long weekend or something. So he quit there. Then he kind of looked around, and then they start putting you through. They You go to supply. 
you get your greens, you get your your free boots, your baits, lights, your fins, whatever, and then you get a locker, a cage. Keep your stuff in there. They show you where your rooms are. And then you go through a thing called PTRR, which they call physical training, rest, and relaxation, which is not true. It's actually just buds, but it doesn't count. You're just getting beat up every day, but you're kind of learning the names of the instructors, and then you're learning where stuff is. You're running you know, in formation to the chow hall, what cadence you're singing, when you get beat up. And they do surf, uh, surf torture, they torture you, they beat you. There's no tests that count. There's conditioning runs for miles. And guys start quitting. You know, We had 227 sailors. I think we classed up with maybe 115 and that's uh that monday is one one day so you're not wearing a helmet up until then you get a green helmet has your class number on it all it says is 208 and o'neill that's what i get and you get beat and that's when everything starts everything counts from that day on so it's you know two mile ocean swims in a certain time four mile time runs in a certain time obstacle courses in a certain time Pool evolutions, pool swims for time, ocean swims, I might have just mentioned that for time, all kinds of stuff, elephant walks, carrying boats on your head, getting beat from 5 a.m. until, well, easily after dinner. So whatever time they decide to quit, then you sleep and you wake up. We, we would, there was a grinder you run to every day for 5 a.m. PT. So you wake up early, you run there, you get beat. Until, breakfast starts about 6 or 6.30. You have to run a mile to the chow hall to eat every day. Six miles a day, you get a run to eat. But the misnomer is, like, if you see movies like G.I. Jane, you got dudes eating out of trash cans. Not the case. You can eat as much as you want. But you got to be careful because as soon as you're done eating those four cheeseburgers, you're going to have a eight-mile conditioning run, soft sand, and boots. So you got to be careful. You're going to be pissing and shitting and puking on yourself, which happens, whatever, get over it. So we do that kind of stuff in Buds. We did have Hell Week. Well, actually, before we started, we had uh, – I don't let Sean tell his story. Sean Tufts. Uh, when we got to one of our obstacle courses, he actually fell – off the slide for life and he broke his neck i heard him hit i was in front of him and at that point it's kind of every man for for himself but i heard someone fall off and you could hear him thump and snap he broke his neck and had to get dropped i remember seeing him get dropped his story's cool though because he 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 left but he had his pr rate he was an air crew survival equipment man and then he went to the fleet i think he was on either a carrier or a flat top because he's working with air crew getting their gear ready and whatnot he ended up getting his way back to Naval Special Warfare, I think at first on the West Coast, and then he, he might have come to the East Coast, working with the SEAL teams and with the boat units as a rigger. He actually went to free fall, advanced free fall. I think he was an instructor. And then he was the first non-SEAL or boat guy to get on the Naval uh, demolition jump team, the Leapfrogs. So now he's jumping into stadiums. He's jumping into Preakness and the Indy 500 and the Kentucky Derby, like really cool stuff. Can't wait for you to hear his story from Army DI to, uh, I'm sorry, Army Drill Sergeant. Very cool story. So we have Hell Week. I can get into that on a later date. People know what Hell Week is. It's Sunday to Friday. Miserable. We lost a lot of people there. And people think that Buds ends at Hell Week. It doesn't. You have a Walk Week, which means after Hell Week, you're so beat up, they don't make you run anywhere. You walk everywhere. So you have a week off, and then you start hydrographic reconnaissance, which is just horrifying. That's that's one of the unknown secrets of Bud. You're up. You may be getting two hours of sleep a night for two weeks, measuring World War II style all these lanes on beaches so that you can have amphibious assaults and, and whatnot. But the first day of hydro recon, they make you do your first two-mile timed ocean swim since Hell Week. And I remember standing in front of it. Hydrographic reconnaissance is the one I was just talking about. That, that was no it's after hell week there i just said it there's there's hell week walk week and then hydrographic reconnaissance that's all good two weeks after that before you're getting ready for your next phase you're going to make it through hydro recon but it just sucks ass but the first swim 
everyone's standing there. And now you're at a point in a young, you're not a frogman or a seal yet. We call them tadpoles. You're at a tadpole's life where you were officially afraid of the ocean. You had your ass handed to you so much that we're scared of the ocean. To the point, I've seen guys in combat walking somewhere, and we'll go two miles out of the way to avoid getting our boots wet. Like, it's ingrained in us that the water, we're good in it. We can work, but some of us would rather not. There are other tough guys out there. That's not me. I like the water in the Bahamas. I like swimming with sharks. You can keep the cold shit. So you're standing there staring at the ocean for your, it's your last two-mile swim of first phase, so you need to pass it, but it's your first two-mile swim, first time in the ocean since Hell Week. And they make you stand there facing it. And we're standing there facing it, and um, our instructor's walking. No one, there's just sheets of glass on our faces. His instructor's walking by, and he goes, first time in the ocean since Hell Week. Kind of spooky, isn't it? So you do that, finish hydrograph reconnaissance, and you move to second phase. So second phase is dive phase. You learn how to... Well, at first, this is where some people get dropped because now you're getting into the smart section. you got to learn about dive physics, dive medicine, stuff like that. Learn what an arterial gas embolism is. Learn what Boyle's Law is. How pressure and volume, are they differ. You know, all this good stuff. Some guys fail that because it's hard to get to, but you got to be smart about medicine when you get into diving and stuff that happens with oxygen, nitrogen, mixed gas, and, you know, pure oxygen. Get into that. We start with scuba training, uh, self-contained underwater breathing apparatus, open circuit, which is the stuff you see on TV where you inhale and then exhale all these bubbles. There is a, a part of dive phase called pool competency, pool comp, which is the hardest part of SEAL training. Again, a lot of people don't know about that. That's when you're moving back and forth underwater and they're attacking you. You're using double hose actuators. From World War II, which no one uses, but they're tying them in knots. You have to do proper procedures. You know, take this off, put it there, unhook, unhook, put this off. Look at this, turn on the water. I'm doing it wrong right now. Someone's going to hammer me for that. Very difficult from that. When you pass that, you go into closed circuit scuba, which is bubbleless. You're breathing pure oxygen with no bubbles. That's a combat diving. You exhale this way. It goes through a soda lime, a softener lime, something like that. It scrubs the CO2, pure oxygen, exhale, pure oxygen. You can do the same breath for a couple of minutes, two or three minutes, I think, depending on what kind of shape you're in. Then we learn how to dive as far as you can't use GPS underwater without something on the surface. So we're using compasses, kick counts, depth, you know, you know your speed distance. And they make it very difficult. A lot of math involved with getting it to, uh, at first, it's leave a beach, come back to the same spot. Leave a beach further, come back to the same spot. Then you get into ship attacks because Navy SEALs are supposed to be able to find a ship, recognize the seams, find the keel, put limpet mines on different parts of the ship so you can attack them, which has been, it's happened before in Panama. SEAL Team 2 did a very good dive down there in, in the 80s uh, when we invaded Panama. You finish dive phase, you get into land warfare phase, which is shooting weapons, getting small arms pistols, and then you get into demolition, stuff like that. You go to San Clemente Island for that, another really horrible part. It was 40 days on San Clemente Island with no days off. You're working all day, all weekend. I'm convinced some of the instructors are hitting the sauce once in a while. And they let you know out there that... We're torturing you on the most beautiful beach in California where there are tourists watching. We're going to go to San Clemente Island where no one can hear you scream. So you go out there. You do learn some stuff. You get your ass handed to you. There's a lot of funny stories out there that I can get into too later. But we finish that. You get back, and then it starts to sink in. Wow, I just, I just graduated buds. Now I need to become a Navy SEAL. I don't know what that is. The way they tell you which... SEAL team you're going to. At the time when I joined, the way it works is the odd number SEAL teams are on the West Coast. SEAL teams at the time were 1, 3, 5, and 7. 
on the East Coast with the even teams. SEAL teams 2, 4, 8, and 10. I was at SEAL team 2. I'm sorry. I, I, I eventually went to SEAL team 2. There was 2, 4, eight, two, four and 8. Sorry. 2, 4, and 8. The way that you get assigned is advice is given to you. Don't, you know, pick obviously the SEAL team you want first. You get a dream sheet, three picks of which SEAL team you want. Put the SEAL team you want first and then put the other two that are on that coast. Because if you don't get two, you might get eight, which is awesome. You might get four, awesome. If you wanted one, but you get three, awesome. Whatever you do, don't put SDV anywhere. SDV is the SEAL delivery vehicle team. Those are the dudes that get, it's something that looks really cool on TV, sucks for real. You get into basically a large coffin, I think four guys in the back, two guys up front, you don't move, you're covered in water, and you do 12, 14-hour dives. It sucks. If you put SDV on there at all, because nobody wants to go, they're sending you to SDV. So when I put SEAL Team 2 and then SEAL Team 8 and SEAL Team 4, they were the day we're leaving the island, they were reading us our orders. And they're going down the list. So-and-so gets SEAL Team 1. So-and-so this. So, and they go, O'Neill, SDV. I'm sorry, SEAL Team 2. That fraction of a second where he said O'Neill, SDV, was the worst fraction of a second of my life. But he said SEAL Team 2. I got that. So we uh, went out there, stopped by Fort Benning, Georgia, worked with the Army for the first time, which was fun. Because I'd always looked at the Army as you know the movies where these are the big dudes that are big, tough Army soldiers that, that can fight. Turns out they're dudes that are my age or younger, and they're just as interested in what we were doing as I, as I was in them. It was really cool. Worked with the Army. You know, they did take a Army Airborne. We went through it at the time. is a is a historic course, and it's a it's something that can be dot, taught in four days. But the Army squeezed it into three and a half weeks. But very cool. Jump static line out of that. Went to SEAL Team Two. And that's when I checked in. It was awesome. Went through SEAL, SEAL tactical training. They started teaching us the finer points, how to be a Navy SEAL. Uh, 13 weeks of that. First, we went diving in Puerto Rico, which is my first time technically out of the country. Dove down there, really neat, different climate, different food. We went out you know, on the weekends to San Juan, hung out at the bars, tiki bars, stuff like that, and had fun there. Went up to Fort AP Hill in virginia to do more lance warfare more advanced explosives um immediate action drills ieds i believe ieds immediate ieds or ieds something else something that blows up then you graduate that went to seal team two again and made it to a platoon and then the platoons are 16 guys at a time two officers 14 enlisted you work together for about a year in what we call a workup then we deployed so two years after i enlisted as a navy seal I deployed on the USS Austin, <laughs> which is a flat-bottom boat. The USS Austin is an Austin-class amphib ship, meaning it was the first one of that class, old ship. But I was, you know, there was there was all dudes, all sailors, all Marines on the ship. We crossed the Atlantic. I got to see a lot of Southern Europe, a lot of Africa, Northern Africa, and learn learn about the Navy. I, Navy SEALs don't do a lot on ships. Neither do Marines. Because our job, obviously, Marines are to, to fight infantry, uh, amphibious landing. Our job was to assist them or whatever we do. But basically, they said the acronym SEAL turns into sleep, eat, and lift from sea, air, and land. But I wanted to take advantage of my time. This is, I don't think, you know, email was a thing yet. So I would walk around to different shops. I, You know, someone's, we had one TV and someone in the uh, interior communication, the IC shop was playing movies and they just played around the clock. I wanted to go up there and see what they did. What were their rates? What, what do they take for a test to advance? I went to talk to the quartermasters, the people who, who uh, steer the ship. And I found out what Navy guys do, what sailors do, how they do eight hours on, four hours of watch, four hours of sleep. I think that should be 24, right? Eight, eight, something, 12, 24, huh? 16. Anyway, they divide it up in 24 hours. My math sucks, whatever. They, they, sorry. Eight on, four on, four off, something like that. 
16 hours. There's another couple hours in there. Whatever. What the point I'm getting at. <laughs> the point I'm getting at is uh, the uh, some of those guys that got off of shifts just to go to Buds for three days is because, and I would tell SEALs this later on, on more uh, cruises overseas, is that these sailors are working a lot harder than you are, and their jobs are really hard. There's all kinds of the, the, the bosun's mates. The ones up front that are kind of running the ship, they when it comes into port, how they how they they you know tie it to the pier and all that good stuff. Working with the ropes and the chains, and if stuff snaps, you, they can tear you in half, things like that. All kinds of different raids. And I, I got to talk to the Marines. They had snipers on there. I had gone to sniper school before my first platoon. I went to Camp Atterbury, Indiana, became a sniper. So I would get the Marine snipers, and we would talk ballistics, talk different. We had different fifty cal's, different stuff like that. It was cool. We actually got our first mission this is before 9-11 keep in mind to guard an exercise in Tirana, albania and there was generals and ambassadors and i think the president of albania was there and there was a threat from a group called al-qaeda on this award ceremony that they picked me and the other sniper the marine to go guard and when we were briefed to go in there that was the first time in the navy during a brief they mentioned the name osama bin laden which is kind of cool when you think about it. We ended up doing that, and then a lot of the ambassadors needed to stay at the embassy. They wanted, they wanted us to assist us, the Marines, to uh, not just the snipers, but the the infantry guys, because we have heavy weapons. I was a sixty gunner also, so I was able to go in there with my sixty, which is a you know seven point six two belfed machine gun. And then we got to do some, we got to guard some of the housing for the families of the people that work at the embassy then we got to guard the embassy itself and i just like i didn't have any of this gear i'd never done personal security detail but they got us walking around i i think i'm 21 at the time i didn't even have a holster i got a picture of myself i'll find it and show it to you where i'm wearing like this flannel shirt and i got a belt and i have a sig p226 tucked in the belt because i don't have a holster and an uzi thinking i look cool complete dork but as we're walking through the embassy i did see cool guys with sunglasses and they were wearing fishing um, what are they called? Vests with all the pockets and they had MP5s and they just look cool. They were older. And someone told me that's SEAL Team 6. Those are SEAL Team 6 guys. And I'd even nod at them. They kind of give us whatever. At that point, I thought that SEAL Team 6 was over. I, I knew Richard Marcinko founded it in 1980, but it disbanded. And then it turned into, and they were just telling us this too, Naval Special Warfare Development Group where they could develop tactics. But it was almost like an un... It was an unsaid secret that, yeah, those are SEAL Team 6 guys. And it started to make sense that when I was at SEAL Team 2, the guys that were going to screen for SEAL Team 6 were the guys leading us in workouts, PTs, every single day. And they were busting their ass. We always hated to come back from training trips, and we got to do a seven-mile sprint with this guy. We're not in shape for this. He is because he's going to what we call green team or selection. But then it started to sink in. It's like, wow, there is a SEAL Team 6. So I finished that deployment, did a couple other deployments. I did one, um, so one on the USS Austin. I did one on the, the next one was on the USS Kennedy, a strike, which is a carrier, went into the Persian Gulf. Did so, We took down a Russian tanker that was smuggling Iraqi oil. Again, pre-9-11, we thought that was cool. It was really nothing. Like When we took down, the, it was the, the Russian tanker Volganeft. We thought we were so high speed. They weren't terrorists. These are, these are criminals. There was one Iraqi on there, one Iranian on there, and a bunch of Russians. We were clearing the kitchen and taking their steak knives. Like, we found weapons. No, you didn't. You didn't find shit. Did that. Went back. Did another deployment to Europe. We got into Kosovo. Did some, some not even sniper work, but they sent snipers out for reconnaissance surveillance. Reconnaissance and surveillance. So we're watching that. And then we went back to Germany. We're fixing our gear up. And then Tuesday, September 11, 2001, we got hit. And we all know what happened there. 
everything changed. I uh, did one more deployment at SEAL Team 4, but I had put in my papers for SEAL Team 6, and I went to selection. And I'm sure we can do some, we can do some selection talks later, but I went to SEAL Team 6. And I found out, and great advice in life is wherever you are, be there. And I've found myself at SEAL Team 6 in some of the most prominent missions in, in modern history. I was on the, on the recovery of the lone survivor, Marcus Luttrell, because I was at Red Squadron when, when uh, Turbine 3-3 went in after the four snipers. Three of them were killed. They got shot down. 18 guys were killed. We happened to be there. I saw those guys. One of the last guys to see them alive before they got shot down. We went in for that. I was on my birthday in 2009, April, Good Friday, April 10th. Uh, we flew out of Virginia Beach and rescued Captain Richard Phillips from Somali pirates on Easter Sunday. I was on a mission to kill Osama bin Laden. I ended up turning the corner. I shot him, and he was standing up three times. So I was on that. Ra- I was on the base when Bo Bergdahl walked off. We did 20, 19 or 20 missions trying to rescue Bo Bergdahl. We were so close. We had the ransom money. The Taliban was paying for Bo Bergdahl. Uh, in our, I, I've actually had, uh, you know, wherever you are, be there. Make yourself available. I've had army guys fuck with me and say, I remind them of the Forrest Gump of the Navy, only I'm not as good looking and I can't run as fast. I'm not sure what to think of that. That's, that's what some people have told me. Kind of funny. But that's the whole point there. And we're going to be able to do episodes too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my social media and I'll, I'll do a Q&A. And if there's something you want to hear, I'll write down some really good questions. I'll just answer them on this. I, I'm going to talk about current events. Because of Twitter, there's been stuff that I've said recently. I want to talk about my stance on every, everything, current events, stuff that I don't think I have any business talking about. I probably won't. I'll tell you that's my stance. I think this way. I shouldn't be saying it. We've, I've been, I've been uh, a little vocal about the Second Amendment, what I think of that, how I totally agree with the Second Amendment. And if, if you are of sound mind, you should be able to have any weapon up to and including a flamethrower. Or if you can fly a jet, good. I hope you have a, a JDAM on it. So stuff like that, current events, anything is uh, doable. And I, I, hope, I hope to have at least one guest a month. And based on some of the misadventures of which I've been a part, I know a lot of cool people. Hopefully they'll agree to, to be a part of it with me. I will, I'll fly to them. Uh, hopefully they fly to me. We might have a studio other than this kick-ass studio with Buzz Class 208 that I just found in the uh, garage. So that is the plan for the podcast, the Operator Podcast. We're going to be coming out with it soon. I think it's going to be really good. I think you're, I think you're going to enjoy it. You better fucking enjoy it. So uh, that's it. What do you think? It's good. I think that's good. That's that's the layout of what we're doing, and uh, I really look forward to this, guys. It's, I think it's about time we did it. We can say the f word. I need a tagline, don't I? Yeah. So I'm gonna put that out on social media and help me with the taglines. Fire it at me, DM me, whatever the cool kids are saying. So the Operator Podcast. This is episode one. Looking forward to it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.